1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. With me this week is Kip Adams. Our guy, Rusty Mansell, I think he is probably in a bunker somewhere down there in the Gulf trying to hit out, maybe save par uh the hope he is uh having a good vacation down there but uh kip the countdown is on as we talk right now we are officially one week away from spring practice can you believe we, we're already this close to being talking uh you know back into a position where we're getting ready for georgia football
1: i haven't even unpacked from la yet to be honest with you I, I it's unbelievable we're already talking about pro day and spring practice and uh yeah, it's the uh, the most beautiful time of the year. I, I think this is it. This is where uh, everyone has a chance to, you know, to be national champions. And lo and behold, Georgia is, you know, coming off back-to-back national championships. So if there's anyone that goes into spring with Hope Eternal, you know, it's it's Georgia fans. Because they, they know that, you know, uh, Kirby Smart has this program built to to compete for championships. Now that he, he's gone out and proven it, he's proven it wasn't a fluke. And now, uh, once again, the most exciting thing for beat writers, a quarterback battle. I mean, these things just write themselves. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see see them get out there. It feels like we were just talking to them, you know, at media days and the playoffs and the locker room. Like, I still have some of the audio. I don't even think I've written it all yet. And, and so I want to get that out there before it becomes quickly outdated. But, yeah, I mean, it really just flew by.
0: No doubt about it. And there was all kinds of stuff that we continue to write about, you know, in the meantime. And and that's one of the things when you are a team that plays so deep into the postseason, that offseason, it it shrinks. It's not very big compared to what we're used to in other years. Uh, Well, let's start, Kip, with what is the big conversation coming out of last week. And it's how some of the Georgia players performed at the NFL Combine. You had 12 Bulldogs who went to Indianapolis Several of those guys stood out, and I'd say probably no one quite as much as Nolan Smith. Just on the whole, what did you make of how Georgia's players showed up in Indy and maybe what uh, those guys did that could help them in the long run when we get to April in the draft?
1: Overall, it's a reminder that I I think everyone, I mean, a lot of people are coming off the combat performances kind of, I guess, a little surprised, but from what we saw last year at the Combine, who should be surprised? When we saw Jordan Davis putting up numbers that, again, Nolan Smith should have been happy with, to be honest with you, it's a reminder that recruiting matters and then just kind of pulling it back. You look at Nolan Smith, uh, you look at how 24-7 sports does their rankings. What's the goal? Well, obviously, the, our rankings are kind of uh, looking at the NFL draft. If you're a five-star uh, in 24-7 sports, you're considered to be a first-round talent. And I get, you know, a lot of fans kind of react and go, well, why would you do that? You know, Why would you project towards the NFL, uh, you know, when you're talking about college recruits? Well, that's one of the few things that we can kind of, uh, you know, verify is verifiable athletic data. And, and you go back and you look at Nolan Smith, you look at what he did at the opening finals in high school, winning the spark championship with the highest nike rating he put up basically numbers that anyone watching the combine should have been surprised at all now you can go back and go okay now him broderick jones these guys are in contention to be first round picks because you know they had verifiable athletic data and then lo and behold they turned out to be pretty good football players too so just kind of that's not really a pat on the back but it is a reminder when you look at the five-star guys a and at three and four years down the road, you know, they are first-round prospects Is because, you know, we projected that athletic data. We can't project what's going to happen when they're not the best player, in, in you know, on the field every single snap. That's the aspect to where the eval, you know, you can't really quantify that. Uh, college development, you know, things like that. But as far as just the athletic traits, that's what we're trying to find so that, you know, we can pinpoint those type of guys who, ha- who should be able to physically play quickly at, at the college level. So, yeah, Nolan Smith, he put on a clinic. Uh, you know, the broad jump is impressive. The 41-and-a-half-inch the vert, that one five two ten 10-yard split are really impressive as well. Um, I, I think none of those things should have really shocked anyone. It's more just NFL scouts are not able to verify this guy is extremely athletic. This guy has, you know, some Von Miller traits, and this guy is still a little undersized and has, a, you know, kind of a, a, a thin frame as well. So that's still kind of that question mark before you start, you know, locking them into the top 10. There are some question marks with Nolan Smith. But, you know, I think athletically he just showed exactly what, you know, Georgia fans and those on 24-7 sports should have expected.
0: Yeah, you know there were a lot of highlights to take from the Georgia perspective. You had Nolan the way he ran, even uh, that vertical jump. I mean, I, I'm thinking of the the Patriot scout who was over there that just kind of looked at the camera like, "Yeah, he he just did that." Uh, Darnell Washington making that one handed catch and just kind of ho hum going about it. Stetson Bennett with a really good 40 time. That you know one of the things I've really enjoyed that NFL Network has done in past years, and they did it this year, was how they put them up against other players, you know, kind of uh, overlap those 40s to see how they did. And uh, Stetson outran uh, Baker Mayfield, who not that long ago was the number one overall pick. Um, you know, I don't think Stetson was perfect, but it sounded like he he threw the ball really well when he was out there. I'll be intrigued to see, you know, where he winds up. And, and obviously Pro Day, which will be, uh, if you're listening to this live next Wednesday, will be the Pro Day in Athens. Um, You know, it seemed like Keely Ringo kind of hit or miss with what he was able to do. Um, Robert Bill ran really well. Um, You know, what – let's start with Stetson. What did you make of what you got to see of what Stetson did and and if you feel like that could help him uh, when it comes to where he winds up getting picked?
1: I think the combine – I mean, it was the most important – of all the Georgia players invited, that scouting combine was the most important for Stetson Bennett, and honestly – out of all the players out there, I think no one improved their stock more than Stetson Bennett. You put him in that group with Will Levis, and I honestly, for uh, for those of Will Levis, I don't know, like, you don't get to pick your group, I assume, but uh, I think coming out of it now, you have to kind of consider that a, a mistake uh, on Will Levis' part just because Stetson Bennett outperformed him out there. And we're talking about a guy who's being considered in the top 10, either the third or fourth quarterback off the board, and uh, Stetson Bennett comes out there, goes throw to throw with you, and does better on the deep ball than you after you told everyone you had a cannon. You know, that was his statement. You know, I know I have a cannon. That's why I'm here at the Combine. And you did not only did you not have the strongest arm in the day, you didn't have the strongest arm in your group. So I, I think for, for Stetson Bennett, you know, with him not doing the Shrine Bowl and the singer Bowl, a lot was made with that. This was the, the venue, uh, along with the Pro Day, obviously, but this is where he had the chance to stack up with other quarterbacks and he did and he honestly and he measured in a little taller than what people expected as well just a you know shade under six foot and you mentioned him outperforming baker mayfield uh the quarterback who he was supposed to you know to be on the scout team coming into georgia Uh, i i think the overall profile uh he may have moved up around if not two i mean i think coming in maybe he's a fifth or sixth round pick now fourth to fifth round you know so I, I think it was really huge for him and now he can go back to the the pro day comfortable knowing that he showcased the arm you can work a little bit more on the out routes at, at georgia's pro day with guys that you have chemistry with that you're comfortable throwing and, and show that you can make those difficult uh you know nfl throws whether it's you know off platform out of the pocket as well uh able to do a little bit more and go on script Uh, on air. And I think uh, it'll be a chance for for Stetson just to continue to climb uh, up the board. So uh, I thought there was very strong performance by him. Uh, Not really worried about the 40 time. We saw a couple guys get hurt out there. And then, you know, people were talking about whether Stetson kind of came up a little bit uh, on the 40. But but now uh, the fact that he was able to go through it healthy uh, looking back, it was, was pretty key. and I, I think the, the throwing session was the, was the most important part for him, and I, I think he aced it.
0: I want to get your opinion. You know, Earlier on Tuesday, Todd McShay put out his updated mock draft, and there were a few other writers I saw that also put out uh, updated mock drafts coming out of the combine. Uh, looking at Todd McShay specifically, he had three Georgia players going in the first round. First player off the board, Nolan Smith. He has going number eight to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, He has, uh, let's see, next was Jalen Carter with the Houston Texans at number 12. And then Broderick Jones, number 13 with the Jets. Uh, What's your immediate reaction to those three slated where they are and specifically with uh, the teams that uh, Todd believes will get them?
1: I think uh, Nolan Smith will be the third guy taken out of those three. I still think he's more of a guy, you know, maybe around pick 20. Twenty to twenty-five is probably, you know, where he'll still end up. Because, like I said, he's still, you know, NFL edge rushers. You want them to be, at least be in that 240, 245 range. He came in at two thirty-eight, just you know, I think maybe six pounds over his his list of weight coming out of high school. Uh, still, again, that frame is is not a lengthy one. Uh, so there's still question marks there. Uh, I think Broderick Jones, for being honest, uh, has as good a chance as any to be the, the first Georgia Bulldog off the board because he came in, ran the best 40 time of, of any offensive tackle there, offensive lineman there, and came in a, an inch taller than what people thought as well, measuring, I think, what, a little over 6'5", 3'11". He is now comp- de- definitely in the running for the first offensive lineman to be taken in this draft. I think he's got a chance to possibly go inside the top 10. There's not really consensus uh, you know, uh, top five, uh, top 10 offensive linemen. So if, if you need a tackle, I think, you know, especially if you're the Falcons, if they don't franchise Caleb McGarry today, as we record this podcast at 1.45 p.m., uh, they're going to need a right tackle. So right there, he's in the, in the mix for number eight overall, I, I think. And then with Jalen Carter, it's still, I mean, talent-wise, it's not even a question mark wh- which one of these guys should go first. And he's a top five overall prospect. Scouts now have to go – or front offices have to go back and ask him questions, you know, just to, uh, uh, about the night in question uh, with the arrest and, you know, why you left the scene, you know, why you left the scene, you know, that he's got to answer those questions for them uh, and, and just, you know, be, be upfront and be honest with them. And then, they you know, they got to make that decision on their own. But as you know, as far as football player goes, uh, I don't think there's a question that Jalen Carter is arguably the most talented player in this draft. And I, I don't think, uh I know now coming out of the uh, you know the combine, there's discussion about him going out of out of the top ten. I don't think he's going to be on the board when the Falcons pick at number eight overall. That's just my gut feeling on this.
0: I think you're right, and like you said, NFL personnel they're going to be doing their research. There are a lot of conversations I'm sure with Jalen, as everyone who's listening I'm sure is aware. You know, he left Wednesday, came back to Athens and was booked, was released, went back to Indianapolis and continued to have those meetings. So, you know, those conversations were going on. And uh, I'm trying to remember, it might have been the Athletic who had a mock on Tuesday that to me made a whole lot of sense. And it was Jalen going, I believe, number five to the Seattle Seahawks. And I feel like that's sort of a place that makes a lot of sense for Jalen. And I think you look at the experience of John Schneider, the general manager there. Pete Carroll obviously has been doing this a long time. I think that that would be the kind of fit that makes sense because, you know, we've talked about it. You know, even going back to, I guess that was December when there were those conversations about character concerns that frankly, you know, raised all of our eyebrows because it it wasn't something that we were hearing around the program that, you know, the thing that wasn't in question with Jalen was his talent. And I think if you get a situation with a franchise that, has the kind of leadership that you need that has the understanding of what they're looking for in a player, you know, that it can work out really well. So I really liked that projection for him. And I think you're right, Kip. I mean, I think Broderick's got a really good chance, especially like five to 10, you know, I, I, I can see a world where we see a lot of trades at the top because teams decide, look, we really like this quarterback. We don't want someone to go get him. And then those teams that either move back or are still sitting in that five to 10 range, you're kind of going with what's the best of what's left. What are you going to go get? You know, the non, you know, a team maybe like the Chicago Bears who move back and know they have Justin Fields. Say, well, let's get him some protection, maybe get him an offensive lineman like Broderick Jones. Uh, I think that's a really intriguing. I mean, I think one of the big winners to your point out of the combine was Broderick Jones because he's got a really. Good chance to be one of the top offensive tackles taken. And you know in a draft with a lot of talent, people love to get an offensive tackle, know they're shoring up the situation for their quarterback. And, yeah, I don't see the the Falcons getting Nolan Smith. I think that that's a bit of an overreaction to have him that high. I do think he's a guy that can slide into that first round. And I think the biggest thing is just his size. I think that teams are going to have to figure out what they want to do with him. And, uh, you know, I could see maybe four – Georgia players going, and the, the big question mark, uh, you know, of the guys we're not mentioning is Darnell Washington. I think that the fact that, you know, we get to probably pick 22 to pick 31, somewhere in that range, someone decides, look, we want a difference maker at tight end. And, you know, a team I continue to see mentioned for Darnell is the Jacksonville Jaguars, even though they're getting, uh, you know, I think they're planning to franchise tag Evan Ingram I mean, put him in there with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I think that could be a really, really effective offense.
1: Yeah, I mentioned Broderick Jones now being in the mix to be the number one offensive tackle, which I, I think, you know, just based on the fact that Peter Skaronski at Northwestern didn't work out, Paris Johnson did not separate himself from Broderick Jones in any way. But then you you take that to the tight end position with Darnell Washington, and you and you look at multiple guys. This deep tight end class: Dalton Kincaid mentioned as a guy that's a first round pick luke mustrave out of oregon state also mentioned but you know i go back just watching uh the the sled drill and then watching michael Mayer from notre dame who again has been mentioned as a top 20 overall prospect in this draft uh i think the, the green bay packers have been mentioned with him a lot uh as far as uh just that connection of where he might go him being the number1 overall tight end an outstanding player in college but you just watch that sled drill and you watch you know he he basically face plants that drill gets it that the you know three or four yards down down the the line and darnell just comes up and just it looks like he's sprinting it looks like he's running his 40 with that sled you know and then between that and his knocking the the uh the you know the coach off off the uh the screen uh, I think uh, Georgia players as far as their overall strength Broderick Jones, Darnell Washington, both now in the mix to be the number one player taken at their position. And I think if Darnell Washington is not taken in the first round, it's probably because, you know, only one or no tight ends were taken in the first round. It starts getting down to position premium. You know, if no one takes a tight end in the first round, that's the reason why he goes in the second round. I think he's locked himself inside the top 30 overall prospects in this draft. There's really, you know, not much you can really question about him right now. We already knew he was an outstanding blocker. He showed, you know, one of the more impressive, uh, you know, blocks in those drills you, you have. And then made probably the catch of the combine, you know, just this, this running that, that fade route, uh, you know, with the one-handed catch there. Uh, I, I don't think, and then the fact that he measured at six, six and a half, stood next to a six, seven guy and, and was clearly an inch taller than him, which, you know, I, I think that was pretty interesting to seeing, my, you know, Ian Rappaport with the photo. Clearly Darnell Washington looks taller uh, than the uh, the other tight end, I believe from Old Dominion that was six, seven. Luke who also had an outstanding uh, combine performance, kind of matched Darnell, uh, you know, drill for drill. As far as his physical uh, attributes. But again, Darnell, I think, really made a claim to be the number one over uh, tight end taken. And, you know, if a team wants a tight end in the first round, I I think Darnell's probably going to be that guy.
0: We're going to take a quick break, come back just for a few minutes, and talk a little bit ahead about spring practice and uh, what we're expecting to see.
1: Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Well, let's just get right into it, Kip. A week from today, as we're recording, we're going to be watching a little bit of spring ball. Georgia will be back for the first of 15 practices. And just generally, when you look at this team going into a new season and specifically going into spring, what are you most interested in looking at with this team and and the storylines we may be following for the rest of spring?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because – the low-hanging fruits. You want to see the new quarterbacks, but I think the easier question answer would just be, what does this offense look like under Mike Bobo? They come out kind of showing the you know the same formations. Did did Mike Bobo find uh, a couple walk-on fullbacks to the feature, uh, you know, in his offensive spring and and draw the ire of Georgia fans all over who are worried that that this. Uh, strong uh passing offense, the air attack that they they saw last year it was a you know a one-year thing and it's going away i i don't think that's going to be the case but you know we have to go out there and confirm that you know as as reporters and so you know that that's definitely an aspect and then you know we're we're talking about the draft again. Well, once again, you got to talk about who's who's going to replace all these guys. You know, there's a lot of stars out there once again. Uh, you know, whether it's Nolan Smith, Robert Beal out there with, you know, the maybe the surprise 40 uh, of the whole group. I mean, you talk about someone who I would have told you I thought maybe a low 4-6, you know, would have been in the mix, but the the man goes out there and, and and just you know blows it up with a sub four five forty, which I think was the third best among edge guys. Uh he might get himself drafted, which is just, you know, what a story for him and, and his path at Georgia. Um, you know, I someone on the junk guard posted that photo of of him and um Brendan Cox, you know, on 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 the doing the stadiums. Uh and kind of this the path those two players took since uh you know they 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 uh got arrested early in their Georgia career. It, it's uh, it's just been incredible to watch Robert Beal's journey, uh, but also who's going to be the next group of edge guys, you know? Uh, and with, you know, Marvin Jones-Jinger a little banged up, you're going to get to see some of these freshman signees that the Georgia just brought in. I would imagine that a couple of those guys play pretty big roles this spring. So you get a chance to see how those evals were for Georgia and this overall overall uh, You know, the the next group of guys that we'll be talking about uh, at the NFL Combine this time next year.
0: For me, obviously, quarterback, we're going to talk it to death. We're going to watch it. And, you know, any move they make, it's going to be all in the notebooks, and y'all will be watching for that. But offensive line, I want to see what those five guys, you know, who is playing – uh, among the first team, is Amarius Mim staying at right tackle? Does he move to left tackle? Is Ernest Green in the mix? Do they move Xavier Truss outside and let him play tackle? I feel like there's a number of options they can take on the offensive line. Uh, defensive line, who sort of steps up to help replace the production of a Jalen Carter? Do we see a guy like Bear Alexander take steps forward? You know What does that look like along with some of the veterans back, like Nazir Stackhouse and Zion Logue as well? Um, you know, battle's also at cornerback. I'm expecting Daylon Everett and Island Green to fight for that job that Keely Ringo has vacated. There's going to be no shortage of stories. And uh, as much as I enjoy writing this little in-between content, it's going to be nice to be back out there watching them go at it and, and seeing who can kind of separate themselves before G-Day.
1: Yeah, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, Keely Ringo, uh, who's going to replace him, a guy that's kind of been out there uh locking down one one side of the field for two years and you know a guy like dalen everett you know is 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 this the spring where, where he kind of makes that move but then you also just know that now greens right there i think that competition is going to be one of the more spirited ones in, in, in the spring i mean julian humphrey uh freshman aj harris uh, there are some talented defensive backs there who are chomping at the bit to to start opposite kamari Laster. so i i think that uh that's going to be an interesting battle, and then obviously the Chris Smith at safety. You know, he did not have the the strongest combine, but we knew him. You know, just like uh Kenny McIntosh, these were not guys that were going to go out there and and rub, run run four four forties. But big time impact at Georgia that safety position the last couple of years of Chris Smith. You know, will will that be Dan Jackson? Or you know, or do you see? Once again, just like last year with Malachi Starks, you see Jill and El Aguero, you see him come step right in and be an instant impact player as, as a five-star safety once again for Georgia.
0: Well, we're going to wrap this episode up. I'm actually getting ready to go hop on a men's basketball Zoom to get ready for that SEC tournament opener on Wednesday night against LSU. But just to kind of get everybody on the same page with us, we will be back on Thursday. We will have a podcast where we're going to draft our spring breakout. Skip and I are going to pick – uh, from a select list, some of the guys that really haven't had outstanding seasons yet at Georgia, say these guys could be who turn our heads in spring ball this year. And, and then on Monday, we'll try to have another episode where we're going to do a mailbag and answer your questions about this team going into spring ball. So we're going to wrap it up right there. Thanks for tip for popping on. Appreciate everybody who listened to this live, who was listening to this after the fact. We really appreciate all of your support uh, until Thursday. Everybody keep it locked down and uh, get ready for spring ball. It's going to be here before y'all know it. So uh, for Kip Adams, I'm Jordan Hill until next time. Take care.